Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and objectionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice by a licensed therapist. Listener discretion is advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who chose to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Welcome everyone to another episode of Midweek Ponder. This is Rebecca, the host of Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. And you're joining us on this wonderful Wednesday. Hopefully everything is going well for you. As I sit here in my little recording studio, I can hear the birds chirping out there and it's really, really pretty. And I'm hoping soon that the sunshine does come out. I live in the Pacific Northwest and so it's usually pretty much overcast and rainy in this part of the country this time of year. Most times of the year it's really really hard on a person to be in this especially when you're kind of stuck in your house for weeks on end. Um, But I will take what I can get. Uh, Today I actually went out for a really long walk ended up being about two and a half miles, which is pretty long for me. And um, it was nice. It was cool outside, but it was refreshing. I was listening to the Grease 2 soundtrack. So I was reliving my early teen years back in my mind as I was wandering down the streets and was surprised that there were as many cars out as there was considering you know, most people are supposed to be staying at home. It was midday, so it wasn't like a commute, but oh well, you know, hopefully people are out for a reason. Um, I found out today that my ex-husband has been um, diagnosed most likely with the COVID-19 virus. He was um, treated um, for congestion and not being able to breathe, and the doctor, because there's a limited amount of tests available, um, they did a CT scan and found that one of his lungs is uh, pretty much completely filled up with gunk. And so I, uh, he's got to stay indoors, and the hard part is, is my teenage son is actually living there with my ex-husband's other family, and I just... (laughs) you know, want to hope my uh, son, he's 19, will, uh, you know, make it through this and stay away from dad and just do what you need to do and just stay healthy as best as you can. So wishing them all well over there. Speaking of my ex-husband, we're here to talk about infidelity. And if you guys have all been following, you know, my podcasts, you know, I was the one that cheated on him. Um, 
And um, I've been asking folks to send in their thoughts and opinions about the subject of infidelity in general, wanting to know um, whether people, you know, what they think of infidelity as far as what, do they oppose it? Do they support it? And why? You know, and things like that. So I received just a very small little short email. And I want to go ahead and read that. And then we're going to uh, read an article um, that my research partner, aka my husband, uh, found. He actually is the one that finds the majority of the articles that I read, which I think is great. Supportive and funny all at the same time. So we will uh, be reading that here shortly. This um, email came from a gentleman. He's actually one of my Patreon subscribers, and I thank him so much for being so supportive of me and of the show. Um, It means a lot. Um, This is what he wrote Hi, Rebecca. I'm a Patreon member, and I painfully enjoy your podcast. In regards to whether female infidelity should be supported or not. Though some tough lessons I've learned that it's the secrecy with women's stepping out that is the most destructive. If you want to allow your partner to, quote, enjoy a sex life that you cannot provide, then the only way to keep a marriage intact is with total honesty. Thanks again for your hard work and stay healthy. Thank you so much for sending that. That means a lot. And I do appreciate your points. Um, Again, just his point here being, don't keep it a secret. Don't lie. Be honest about situations. And so um, one of the, I think it was the first midweek ponder that I read, a gentleman explained what he found by women being secretive or not, or what he wants in a relationship to keep his uh, female partner happy. It was very interesting. So if you haven't listened to midweek episode one, um, you'll have to check that out. What happens when a woman cheats on her spouse or partner? As with any form of infidelity, there is always pain, sadness, and collateral damage. We've listened to many stories of women sharing their own infidelity. But what does the husband or betrayed partner go through? My wife and I were together for 19 and a half years. We married on November 24, 2001. Six months later, during the same two-week period that we were creating our youngest son, she had an affair with one guy three different times. She said it was because I wasn't telling her she was beautiful often enough, and it was someone that she had known before we had even been dating and was attracted to him, but she had never had the chance to sleep with him. She didn't tell me about this for a year and a half, and she also told me that she had been with 21 men prior to us meeting. To hear the full story and more stories about the betrayed partner's side of the affair, or being the other woman or other man, Subscribe to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelities Patreon. With a $3 a month pledge, you will have access to these bonus episodes, plus have early access to regularly released episodes. Visit rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link to subscribe today. Okay, so let's talk about what uh, this article is today. 
Um, this was from the Psychology Today website, and it's entitled Infidelity Goes Public, and it is written by Robert Weiss, Ph.D., MSW, uh, from Love and Sex in the Digital Age. This was posted back in May of 2015. Um, and with technology, you know, of course, I think it's just going to get easier and easier for people to meet. Um, I mean, as opposed to back when we were all in high school, <laughs> you actually had to go to Skate World to meet people. Anyway, so this story says, Infidelity Goes Public. Does Ashley Madison's success mean we're becoming okay with affairs? In 2001, entrepreneur Noel Biderman, or could be Biederman, Biderman, launched Ashley Madison, a dating hookup website designed not to help single people meet, date, and potentially fall in love, but to help people in established relationships engage in sexual infidelity. He didn't do this because he wanted to cheat on his wife. In fact, he didn't develop and launch this idea until she signed off on it. They are still happily married. This was as of May of 2015. So Ashley Madison was conceived not as a mission statement of a serial philanderer, but as a money spinner. Biderman saw a market niche and created a product to fill it. Even the company name was a marketing ploy, with this ingenious CEO simply smashing together two sexy-sounding female names. Since Ashley Madison's launch, Biderman has been described as, quote, potentially evil by Businessweek and as, quote, the most hated man on the Internet by his own marketing team. When you consider the fact that he has successfully monetized what many see as a threat to traditional family values, this is hardly a surprise. Yet, at the same time, Biderman has been lauded as an innovator who saw a window of opportunity and fearlessly pursued it, creating and marketing an entirely digital product more successfully than most web plays not found by Mark Zuckerberg. Today, Ashley Madison has just shy of 35 million members in 46 countries. Again, this was five years ago, so I'm betting that it's a little bit more. To cash in on his success, Biderman recently announced that Ashley Madison plans to go public later this year, seeking to raise $200 million dollars through a London IPO. This despite the fact that Biderman unsuccessfully pursued an IPO in Toronto in 2011. Apparently at that time, investors weren't yet willing to back what Ashley Madison was perceived to be. So why does Biderman think he'll be successful this time around? Two significant reasons. First and foremost, Ashley Madison has grown by leaps and bounds in recent years. Sales topped $115 million in 2014 alone, with an estimated 20 to 25% profit margin. That's an almost fourfold increase over 2009. Money Talks and Ashley Madison's reported income profit stream now speaks loudly and clearly. 
The second reason Biderman may be willing to take another shot at an IPO is that the social mores, especially those centered on sex and romance, have evolved significantly even since 2011. In a recent interview discussing the IPO, Biderman talked as much about social change as about his company's rising revenue. Quote, we launched in South Korea in 2014, where adultery was illegal. We got blocked and we got banned. The government basically interceded on that basis. It's an illegal behavior. Well, then there was a Supreme Court challenge to the whole thing, and it turned out that the Supreme Court changed its mind and reversed a 63-year-old law. Those are watershed moments in society. We really just felt that this was our moment in time. Nevertheless, in the same interview, Biderman acknowledges that even through social change, it's occurring rapidly, and 2015 may, in fact, be the right time for Ashley Madison to, be go, to go public. There are still serious challenges to his market success. I've been in meetings where everything is going well and someone storms out and I'll say, what's up with them? Well, their wife just went off with the neighbor. We're going to be in economics plus emotions. That's how our valuation will go. We have more massive swings because of emotions. It's a thousand year old narrative we're trying to overcome, end quote. Still, it seems clear that Biderman believes that the societal anti-infidelity hurdle has been sufficiently cleared in the last four years, and that the formerly sacrosanct paradigm of monogamy in marriage and in other serious intimate relationships is no longer as inviolable as it once was. He's probably right. Thanks to the digital interconnectivity, romantic attachment looks much different today than in the past. Now a person can meet someone through a dating site or app, flirt with that individual via text message and IM, date and be sexual with that person via webcam, and brag about his wonderful new relationship on Facebook or other social media. Finding this intimate connection entirely fulfilling both emotional and physically, even though he or she has never been in the same room or even the same country as the other person. This is true whether the people involved are single or already a part of an established romantic relationship. Of course, this easy access is willing romantic and sexual partners is only half the equation for Ashley Madison. The second, more important half of the formula is that digital technology um, has caused many people, especially younger people, to view intimate relationships differently than their predecessors. True. For these, quote, digital natives, quote, who've never known life without high-speed internet connectivity, the world is a much larger, more open space. They can meet someone half a world away, and that is no barrier to friendship or romance. Plus, there are literally millions of people to choose from, not just the few they meet through friends, family, and work. 
Further, thanks to the wonders of digital technology, it is now relatively easy to juggle multiple intimate connections. In time, for some, this romantic, quote, multitasking becomes the norm. Put another way, in the digital world, many people, especially but not exclusively younger ones, are finding that the monogamy box of yesteryear, when a cohesive family unit was needed for survival, is neither necessary nor even desired. Instead, these individuals, both male and female, are perfectly capable of bonding with and or exploring their sexuality with more than one partner. As such, things like polyamory and open relationships may be becoming more common. Often, these individuals have a primary relationships, perhaps a marriage, but are nonetheless free to find sexual and romantic fulfillment elsewhere. In their world, infidelity is no longer universally frowned upon. It may be seen as a part of the intimate bonding experience. Whether you view this as a good or bad probably depends on your age and life experience. From my perspective, as a therapist who has specialized for more than two, ac- two decades in the treatment of intimacy-related issues, my take on sexual and romantic activity outside of a primary r- relationship is this. Quote, if both parties in the relationship can agree without coercion of any kind that certain behaviors are okay and both parties then operate within these mutually agreed upon boundaries, then who am I to stop them? It doesn't matter if the boundaries they choose would work for me because it's not my relationship, it's theirs. When I tend to see problems with this approach is when the boundaries are unilaterally set rather than mutually agreed upon or when the boundaries are simply not respected, especially when the cheating partner keeps his or her romantic and or sexual infidelity a secret. Nevertheless, it is becoming increasingly clear to me, and Ashley Madison's pending IPO is simply one more indicator that the once incontrovertible, quote, marriage equals monogamy paradigm has shifted, and that extramarital sex is no longer the taboo it once was. For many couples, certain behaviors that would have automatically been considered, quote, cheating in the past can now be discussed and agreed to as, quote, okay, prior to or even during a relationship, as long as these mutually agreed upon boundaries are respected and sexual and or romantic secrets are not kept these relationships can not only survive, but they can thrive. So I find this article kind of interesting, kind of based on a story that I recently um, recorded. And oh, speaking of recording, you probably heard a lot of uh, trip ups in this uh, article reading. And that was because I chose to read this sucker raw. That sounded bad, but I chose to read it without editing myself out. So I just said, what the heck? So that was the real me without having to edit it. I thought, why not? Why not? Anyways, this three-part story that I recorded um, for the Raw Truth podcast 
starts off with um, gentleman Rick talking about his relationship with his marriage, his wife, Kate. Um, and their relationship was very similar to what the latter part of this article referred to with open relationship and things like that. Um, hey, that one actually played on the regular podcast. Now there are two more parts to that whole story, and you've got to be a Patreon subscriber in order to hear it. Um, it's really interesting, the whole story, because it goes from, like I said, young love to finding out, you know, let's be open relationship. Um, oh, first swinger, then open. And then to find out there was actually cheating involved, which goes against the mutual agreed upon to um, the next parts of the story that I don't want to reveal. So just out of curiosity, I just looked up online to see where Ashley Madison was with the new IPO. And, you know, this is just what I'm finding online. And um, but it looks like their attempts that they continue to, uh, to attempt to, to have a public market and uh, the IPO plans and stuff and that it never seemed to really work out. Um, I could be wrong. I'm just like I said, just as a quick gander online, it looks like that it didn't quite go through the way that they wanted. If somebody knows more about it and wants to share it, please um, let me know and we'll bring it up on a future episode. So until next time, thank you so much for joining me and um, you know, every other Sunday, Raw Truth regular episodes will release. And um, a couple times a month, you will hear episodes if you're a Patreon subscriber, plus you get early access. And I've been adding outtakes to those Patreon subscriber episodes as well. And I want to thank everybody for putting up with my idiosyncrasies on my, I guess, it would have been considered a live podcast if I had aired it live, but um, I really didn't do any edits on this. So this is me. And I hope you guys have a great day. Stay healthy. And remember, no judgment. Oh, I forgot one more thing. Before I do that, if you have a story you'd like to share, send me an email, Rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. Um, or visit my website, raw stories, uh, raw truth stories of female infidelity.com. And, um, you know, if you're a lady who wants to share a story about her own infidelity, um, if you guys have something for midweek ponder, just shoot me an email. I, I would love to hear from you. And again, here's another blooper because I didn't edit this today. I'm going straight through. So now is my time to say thank you for listening. Have a great day, and remember, no judgment. Goodbye.